be a champion. We are back. The Savage Hour Podcast. I'm your host, Chad George. As always, La Jefa. What's up, TJ? Hello. What's up? How are you? Good. Good, good. It's a new year, 2020. Yes. We are... uh, Got a lot of stuff planned. Another show today. I'm excited about our guest. Um, Longtime friend of mine, A.D. Mustafa Bikov. Um, It's going to be good. Uh, How's things been with you? Good. Busy. Yeah? Yeah. Awesome, awesome. Uh, Well... Let's get right into it. Uh, today we have a very good friend of mine, Adil Mustafa Bakov. He is a, uh, an artist at Disney Animation, a jiu-jitsu brown belt. Him and I have been friends for, man, it's been 12 years at least. And um, he came here from Azerbaijan. And uh, today we're going to hear his story, not just about how he got here, his uh, ups and downs with being a professional artist, everything he's been through, and also a martial artist and seeing how that all connected uh, together. So uh, what's going on, AD? Not much, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm really stoked to have you on. Yeah, likewise, man. Um, first of all, let's uh, let's just get right into it. Um, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're from Azerbaijan. Let's, uh, let's, let's hear a little okay. bit about that. Uh, so I was born in Azerbaijan, Bakur, Azerbaijan. That's the city. And... Uh, I lived there for like about two, three years. Uh, there was war going on against um, two different countries, and, and uh, we just couldn't stay there. My, my, my dad and my mom being two from different sides. Um, my dad being more like Azeri, and my mom being Armenian. That was the war at that time, I believe, from what I could remember, what I could recall. And uh, we, had to, we had to leave. We had to leave and find a place to live. So the only other place that would take us in, kind of, was Russia. Now, was that a side, like asylum? Kind of. Okay. I mean... In a way, um, from what I could recall, um, I don't think they really wanted us there because we had our own home. But the problem was there was two different sides that were fighting each other. And we couldn't go to Armenia. We couldn't go to Azerbaijan. So in a way, Russia was like, like you said, an asylum. But Russians are different too. It's their homeland. Um, in any case, uh, we did, I mean, it was fine. Like, we, we didn't really have any issues. But we knew we had to get out of there too. So, um I think around when I was like six or seven years old, uh, my parents applied for a um, like a, almost like a sponsorship mm-hmm. or a, not a visa, but like to migrate to the states. Yeah. You know, that was everybody's dream is to come to the states, right? And um, <clears throat> went in, in, in uh, to American embassy. We applied and uh, gave them our story. Like, look, we have no place to stay. We need a home. We can't stay in Azerbaijan. We can't go back to, or we can't go to Armenia. Can't really live in Russia. Um, can we come to the States? So we, it was, I don't remember if it was quick or not because I was young, but um, they gave us a, a permission to come to the States and uh, they found us a sponsor. So it was a wonderful family from Buffalo, New York. Um, or uh, It was like a Christian, Christian or Catholic group. And they sponsored us, brought us over, uh, put us up in a, in a church attic. That's, oh, that's wow. where uh, I kind of, lived for a little bit because we had no home we had nowhere to stay so we stayed in the church attic for like a, a month or so wow and then uh found us a home it was a i guess you want to call it a halfway home where we live with other people that also have migrated and just don't have any money and uh, we lived there for a little bit and um and they helped us out a lot like we're wonderful people like um i had nothing and they had kids and their kids would like they knew I was going to school, so I will never forget this. Um, they knew, they found out I was going to school, and they gave me a backpack. I was like, oh, thank you so much. And then I remember opening the backpack, and it was 
backpack full of toys, Star Wars toys. Oh, wow. Like old school Star Wars toys. I still, I wish I would have kept them because probably worth a lot of money now. But in, a, in any case, it was just such a wonderful gesture, like really good people. They gave us, when, when, when they moved us into, um, we kind of lived in this um, almost like Section 8 type of place mm-hmm. where we were getting help. Um, they were helping us. They were buying us furniture, like secondhand. We're handing it down. So, um, yeah. So, slowly my parents started working, um, making a little money here and there. It wasn't anything crazy. My mom was a, a housekeeper. She would clean houses. My dad was a dishwasher. Um, and I was just going to school. Hard labor. like like that's Yeah, yeah. Thing. And I mean, yeah. at that time, they weren't paying us money because because they were like, look, they were paying us below minimum. We yeah, were yeah. paying because we're migrating, we just needed money. So we were, or they were, my parents were kind of, uh, were willing to do whatever it takes just to make some cash, right? So yeah, it was hard, it was hard growing up. Hard as in uh, from what they tell me, right? right. Um, they kind of try to hide it from me, but I had my own little battles in, in school. Like I was fought, got beat up a lot. Didn't really speak English. Um, you had people that would protect you, and then you had people that just constantly beat you up. But I always put up a fight. I tell you that I got beat up a lot, but I always fought back. That's the one thing. I got beat up a lot, but I fought back. And um, there were times where people just stopped picking on me because they you knew at least I would fight back. So, yeah. And then slowly, um, kind of as we became established, we moved out to California, and that was when I was 11 years old. So I'm now th- almost 38. So Getting old, old man. Yeah, man. Jesus. <laughs> I met you when I was 26. That's crazy, right? Yeah, yeah. Been so, a long time. Yeah. And uh, that's that's where it came from. It's, 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 it's funny. Like, I, you know, obviously my story <clears throat> is with, you know, my background. When I was a kid, I got bullied a lot. Yeah. And I, I got in a lot of fights, too. But it's, it's funny how once you start standing up for yourself... Yeah. Things start to change, especially for you. You know, you can't. You come from another, another, almost basically another world, yeah. and you know, I'm sure not being able to speak English had a big impact on that. Yeah, it was hard. Yeah, because uh, I remember um, I was taught to, the first. The first thing about English that I was taught was like, learn how to say I don't speak English. So that was most of the most of the time. That's what I was saying. Um, luckily, we had ESL classes over there, so I, I was always in the ESL classes, uh, and um, that's what kind of started getting me uh, understanding English but and then as a kid you, you you tend to pick up a language pretty quick than when you're like in your 30s right. you know? so I was able to pick up English within a year um, and I had my neighbor which was interesting my neighbors or our neighbors that were living below us um, in this little house they were taking they were American and they were taking Russian courses just it was a random thing interesting so they would try to speak to me in Russian because I speak Russian my, my home language is not Azeri um, because back in the day Azerbaijan used to be part of Russia so that was their main language now I think it's a mixture of both it's Azeri which is kind of like Turkish and uh, Russian um, so yeah uh, my neighbors in Buffalo they were like talking to me in, a little bit in Russian and then broken like broken Russian and English where I could understand them and kind of pick up the English language a little bit faster so that was great that's know? cool it was nice, man. There's there's a lot of good people in this uh, world where they like they want to help you. So and it's funny because they always stand out. You know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah. there's 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 always tons of people that it's just it sucks because it's jaded by the amount of people that just don't give a shit. That's that's the yeah. You know, and, it, and if you really start opening up, you're like, man, like that's a good person. That's a good person. Yeah. That's that's if you're lucky to be able to find those yeah, people yeah, and have yeah. them in your life, they they can really make huge changes. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. Um. So okay, so we we get here where um. 
we're uh, we're building this new life. When did uh, when did art come into your life? Oh, art uh, art came into my life when I was like three years old. From I don't really I think it was like let's say between I don't really know I think two I was still maybe I was drawing a little bit but I don't remember that but I know between three and four that's when I started to draw and like I was a I wouldn't say I was a loner but I like to be by myself a lot and that's how I got away from things where I just go into my little room or I wouldn't even have a room but I would just go into the mm-hmm. kitchen <clears throat> and I remember my grandma would always and this is still back in this was in Russia she would buy me a bunch of just uh, like a like a album where I could do my drawings and I would just sit there for hours and just draw random stuff um, but the one thing I remember and I this is a pretty interesting story uh, I was a big fan of gum mm-hmm. so I think they still do them it's like uh, bazookas yeah when they do the comic strips comic yeah 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 so that was it was like a it was like a Disney Disney-esque gum I don't know if it was like real or not but it had Donald Duck on for okay. some reason I really loved that character and uh, I was drawing that I tried to draw that character and I was like three or four years old for a whole day I was just drawing and I couldn't get it I kept practicing 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 I couldn't get it finally I got it right and I was like I was so happy I kind of vaguely remember those moments that I ran to my mom or my aunt I was like look at this because uh, over there we live there's a lot of people living in one place uh, just the whole family and I was so happy so fast forward to 11 or 12th grade in the states this is I haven't drawn Donald Duck at all since that time and I'm like that memory just hit me and I'm like let me try to draw him without looking at anything I practiced that thing drawing him so much that it was embedded in my mind and I was able to do the lines that's awesome and I was like I flipped out because I was like it's like you programmed your brain to just automatically do that because you you've done it so much that is uh, and I was able to just draw I could probably draw it with my eyes closed which is weird but yeah so for me I think art just I grew up with it and I always loved art I always loved uh, drawing just anything just I love I love even stick drawing stick figures and creating wars between each other it's just That's cool just random stuff man I don't know I just I was always uh, was always fascinated with it I think that's one of the cool things about like our relationships that yeah. we were able to connect with that stuff at a very like um, beginning yeah, stage yeah, of, yeah, our, of, yeah, our, yeah. of our friendship yeah. was there because you know my, my background is, is, is in art you know I, I don't believe that I ever got to any level where you're at as far as like where you've taken it I mean I, I, I like to have fun I've done some, yeah. some decent stuff you had, you had your own company too right? yeah I did yeah, I, did. I remember that's how we were talking about it so. you know I, I had my own studio and I, I did you know all this stuff professionally for a long time but for me it was like it was always fun and I just I it, it never felt like it was mm-hmm. like that deep seated yeah. passion like martial arts found yeah. me yeah. and um, man I, then I see the stuff that you're doing now I'm like Jesus Christ man like the, the projects that you're working on you know it's really cool to see you doing what you're doing at Disney now yeah, and um, but I know that <clears throat> Disney is obviously not what you've always done no. so let's talk about a little bit of the, of the journey mm-hmm. that it took to get to Disney where you're at now so when you say journey do you want me to talk about my professional career or just how like from school and let's and... do both alright so I think since since I got into high school, even just growing up, I knew I wanted to be an artist. I didn't know what I wanted to do, but I just wanted to do art. Um, and, and I think that's that's where a lot of people are, right? Like when yeah, they when they start out, they don't know what they want to do, and they like, oh, I have this one thing, but they put it in their mind, like, oh, but this will never be what I do for a living. I, you know, what, that's a good point because I've been told like 
don't know if you could be be successful. There are so many artists, or like maybe you should become something that's more stable, like become a doctor or a lawyer. Mm -hmm. Like that one is a guarantee for most part, right? Because you could learn. I think there's always skillful lawyers that are just born with that, you know, talent or doctors. But I think if you really practice long enough and and, and keep doing it, you'll be good at it. Right. You may not be like LeBron James of basketball, but if you play basketball long enough and you keep doing it, I think you could still make it to the NBA and be. Um, be good right so anyway so in high school I always drew always drew went to community college um, to get my AA so I don't have to pay for a full four-year college so I could transfer also art just kept doing taking art classes and getting my general education um, and then I was able to um, apply to many schools Applied to Art Center, applied to CalArts, and these are all in California. Mm -hmm. Those are the, the big ones, like these big <laughs> ones, man. UCLA, mm -hmm. um, UCLA wasn't too big, but UCLA had a name. I was like, oh, I always wanted to go to UCLA, and um, applied to Otis of um, um, our um, College of Art and Design. Mm -hmm. It's right here near LAX. Um, so a lot of schools didn't accept well, all of the schools didn't accept me except Otis, which was, was like I had no other choice. Which wasn't it wasn't a bad school. It was just like. My main school, I wanted to go to Art Center to become a, a, a car designer, transportation designer, yeah. but my portfolio wasn't good. And my portfolio was kind of more of a live drawing, like mm -hmm. humans and stuff like that, right? Anyway, so I got accepted into um, Otis College of Art and Design, and then from there, got accepted as a sophomore. So I was going through basic classes as uh, learning how to paint, um, figure drawing, live drawing. Um, and then they kind of try to see where your focus is. And uh, my interest was always uh, illustration, mm -hmm. just love drawing. Um, come to the end of my sophomore year there, I went to my favorite teacher. He's like one of my favorite teachers. I'm very inspired, inspirational, and just a really good artist. And I asked him, I'm like, look, do you think I could get a job as an illustrator? Like, that's the whole goal, is get mm -hmm. your foot in the door. Yeah. So um, I think three or four people applied. And I got lucky. I was the one that they really liked, um, and it was pretty crazy because I don't really have any nice clothes. And I remember this. This is this. So I'm in a room with eight people interviewing me. It's a round table. <coughs> I come in. I'm wearing this wool sweater that is oversized because it wasn't mine, and I'm sweating. I give it my DVD to show them what I've done so far in school. Like so, it's it's just a demo reel, a breakdown of what I know. Right, my best work. It wasn't that great. And it doesn't work. Like, the DVD didn't work. The DVD didn't work. And they're like, oh man. I was like, I got a VHS. So at that time, VHS, <laughs> at that time, VHS was still a thing. Wow. Like, okay. So plug in the VHS and they said, like, okay, good work. But then they're like, you know what really impressed me? That you came prepared. For, with a backup. With a backup. You had a backup. You were, you were like ready to just. So it wasn't my skill that impressed them. That I did have some sort of a talent. But what impressed them is that I was on time, came prepared, decently dressed, I hope, you know, like, I thought I was decently dressed. Well, you were dressed. Yeah, I was, <laughs> dude, I, was I was, I was afraid to take off my sweater because I knew I was really drenched in sweat underneath, anyway, and I got that job as an intern, and um, it was three months or four months prior to graduating, my, um, getting my uh, bachelor's, mm -hmm. and for most of the time, I would just go to my teachers, I'm like, hey, I understand we have class, but... Can I just go to Sony and um, just be there? Because they have classes there too. They teach new hires how to use their yep. system. And I would just always spend my time there and try to meet people, learn from those people, yeah. and just create relationships. Um, so 
come to come to graduation, this one lady, um, Sandy Scordos, she was um, so I, over there. I was interning under the training department, and she she took a liking to me. She was an amazing woman, and uh, she I told her I'm like I'm graduating. She's like okay, and she went to different. So there were a few films going on at that time. It was uh, Monster House, Open Season, um, Surf's Up, a couple other VFX like um, Spider Man. So she set up an interview with the heads of um, like VFX Soups of those films to interview me and see if potentially I could fit in and kind of get a, I don't know, like a junior level or okay. whatever yeah. job. And I interviewed for all those movies and um, what happened was, and then she set me up with a PA position for Superman. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. Now for people that don't know what a PA position is. Personal assistant. Yeah. So you need coffee, I'll go get you coffee. You need um, stuff for me to take notes, I take notes. Whatever you need, I'm just there. For the goal for me was to get your foot in the door, prove yourself, and then work your way up. Right. Like, if you work hard enough, you'll get there. That's how I see it. Just put your head down and just keep working, keep working, believe in yourself, and you'll get there. Nothing's easy. Um, I, I mean, you tell me, right? Like, uh, if everything was easy, everybody would be able to do it, and we would be great, but then it's like you don't really appreciate things. Right. I mean, a lot of people are going to argue, well, I, I, I put a lot of effort in everything and nothing ever works. Well, that's because you go into it with that same mentality of yeah. nothing ever works. Yeah. Yeah. You're already <laughs> doubting yourself. Never yeah. doubt yourself. And I don't want to quickly bring it to like MMA or Jiu-Jitsu. If you doubt yourself on the mats or in the fight, you're going to lose. Yeah. That's it. Be confident in yourself. That's, that's it. it. I mean, that's, that's a life lesson, right? Yeah. Like if, you, if you're doubting yourself before you even go out there and cross the street, you're never going to cross the street. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's <laughs> kind of sad. But yeah, you know, it, it's, yeah. it's a silly uh, connection, but it, it's the truth. Like, yeah. you know, you'll sit there and always think, man, there might be a car. There might be a car. There might yeah. be a car. Oh, shit, there's no car. Maybe a plane's going to fall down. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it, you create these, 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 like, like, these yeah. delusions yeah, yeah. Of, of grand gesture before like anything's even happened. Yeah. So, all right, so you're, uh, you're getting ready to graduate. Getting ready to graduate, and um, so two of the films passed. Um, passed. They were like, sorry, you're, you're, you don't have enough experience, and bigger companies usually need to have five, five, or, five or more years of experience to work for them. Um, so on my graduation day, and I haven't heard back from open season, and on my graduation day, um, I get a call. Like, I'm sitting in... In, in, in the chair and he was like hey we'd like to offer you an artist position position uh, it's a junior uh, junior TD junior technical director um, basic stuff you just kind of start from the bottom and work your way up so the person that I met for that position was April Nobby she was my mentor and so was her husband Dave Blige they, they've really um, they're April she passed I don't know, she passed away but um, she was she meant a lot to me and so did her husband they really took me under their wing and kind of helped me grow into where I'm at today. Like That's awesome. I owe them a lot. Um, and she, I gave her my reel, I'm like a few weeks before I graduated, I was like, here's my reel, you know I'm gonna be interviewing with you. She Were you wearing like, the same sweater? No, 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 <laughs> I was just wearing regular clothes. Cause I was like, I just passed by her office and I gave her my reel and I was like, hey, you know, I'm gonna be meeting with you. And um, so the funny thing is she, ne I, she never met with me. I just exchanged a brief conversation with her when I gave her my reel. Right, yeah. And when I got that call, I was like, hey, April would like to give you that opportunity to come on our show and kind of, you know, start working. <clears throat> oh, my God, thank you so much. And I asked her, when she hired me, I came in and um, I asked her, I was like, oh, can you please tell me, like, what was it? And she's like, because she didn't even interview me. She's like, look, the interaction that we had, I felt like you were a pretty decent human being. I felt like I could work with you. Um, I didn't even need to look at your reel. 
Like, Isn't that funny? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, she like gave me a. Not a lot of people give you that chance, man. This is just. I want to say it was luck too. Like people say, well, it's not luck. It's. Now nah, listen. Here's here's my feeling about luck. Luck only happens when you do the things that put you in that position for luck to occur. Yeah. Right. So you did everything to put yourself in that position. It wasn't luck. Yeah. You know, that was a that was a that was a stream of things that you've done in your entire life to get you right to there at that moment. So luck luck can be very very deceptive of what that what that word actually means. No, that's a good point. Yeah. So. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and she's like, I think you know, I wanted to give you a chance. You seem like a normal dude and let's let's see what you could do and yeah man i i work so she she goes do you know how to texture paint so texture painting is something like uh oh the lights turned off do you want it on um I'm yeah hit the button yeah i'll turn it back on <laughs> that was weird i mean there was any kind of romantic, sensors yeah so technical difficulties so lit up some candles <laughs> so uh i kind of knew how to texture paint so texture painting is something like, let's say, let me explain, describe it this way. Um, you get a 3D model, which is a grayscale model, grayscale model, and then you paint color on top of it, and you give it life to make it look like if it's a person, you paint the skin color, you paint the clothing color, and then you pass it on the pipeline. So imagine, like when we're kids, you you could build this little, like you go to a store and you buy this little set and you put it together mm -hmm. it's gray and then what you do is you take that gray set and then you take real brush and you paint it like the, like the little right. planes I don't know if you've done mm -hmm. it yeah yeah so it's very similar except you do it on a computer and I was like yeah I know how and I remember somebody taught me a while back it's like never say no that you don't know how to do it you could always learn set yourself up with that opportunity like if you're giving that chance take it because if you say no that'll be that could be your last chance so I was like yeah I know how to do it she's like okay cool so start Monday well, I took a week off and uh, we'll start Monday, and she gave me uh, my, fir my first uh, thing to paint on open season was the ladder. Now, that week that I took off from, from graduating to, to work, did a lot of research. I mean, the internet wasn't that great, but I was like, I had book, okay, this is how you do it. So I really try to teach myself how to do it. In one week? In one week. Yeah. But, like I, like I was saying, there's a lot of good people here, you know, in, the, in, in this world. So um, I met a few people along the way at Sony that were just amazing people and um, I'm just going I was like hey I'm struggling a little bit can you tell me what I need to do to make because some of the software I didn't know so it was still fresh and new to me and I had uh, that that should have taken me a day to do it took me a week not even a day she'd take me half a day um, but she understood it because I was new and she was like and it came out pretty well and she's like okay this is good so she kept challenging me with harder and harder tasks to where then she would just leave me alone and she put her full trust in me to where she could leave me alone and let me do whatever I needed to do to get the work done. Um, yeah, so that's how I got my break. That's awesome. Yeah, it was, uh, and I spent um, at Sony nine years and eight months. And then uh, Disney, <coughs> you, want me to, you want me to quickly talk about Disney? Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. I just want, I want to touch on one of the things you yeah. said. It's funny because, you know, how you were saying that one week that you had off, mm -hmm. you were like, I need to figure this out. I'm going to do what it takes. But I think that's where a lot of people, ego get into that they... They just don't want to ask for help. They don't want to admit that they don't know things. And I think that's the, the downfall to most people is that they want people to already assume that they know everything, that they don't want to admit that they need to learn these tools. But it's like, we talk about this all the time on the show. We talk about that you don't know what tools you need until the questions are asked. Yeah. And then you have to go ahead and figure out how to answer the question. No, no. Just like what you did. He was like, yes. Yeah. Yes, I, I can do that. Mm -hmm. uh, I Like I know for me, I was talking to a... Um, uh, um, 
a guy a couple weeks ago we were talking about just speaking engagements mm -hmm. and we were talking about like just platforms I said yeah I'll, you know I don't care I'll talk in front of you know 20 people I'll talk in front of 20 million yeah. people and then after I walked away I was like oh shit did I really just set myself up potentially talking <laughs> in front of massive crowds but the answer is yes like if you want to get to that next level you have to actually take the risks yeah. that are going to get you there it's not going to be comfortable because if it was comfortable you'd already be doing it and then eventually you'll build into that comfort yeah. zone like what you've done now yeah. so then you 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 accepted the challenge there's been many other challenges that have been along the way and then disney yeah wow. let me ask you this real quick the comfort level knowing you fighting or anything that you take on is never comfortable. No. I do you still feel like your last fight? Were you comfortable going into that fight? In terms of like it, you still get those like I think that's one of the only and, and you know what it would are too, any new project I start, I may know how to do it or I may have this the, 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 the skill or the experience. I'm still not comfortable. I'm no, sure. I think what it is this is every time that there's a challenge mm -hmm. and there's potential for error and you don't know the result and you don't know what's going to happen. If you are passionate about what you're doing, yeah. there's always going to be that that fear. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's always going to be the the unknown that yeah. you don't know what's in front of you. And so like even my last fight, uh -huh. I was terrified. It's right. not it's not of the fight. I've learned how to get over the fear of the fight. Yeah, yeah. But now it's the fear of Am I able to do what I'm supposed to do? Am I able to make the people that are here to support me continue supporting me? Am I going to make mistakes? And am I going to be able to do what I'm like I'm capable of doing? Mm -hmm. That's the fear. The fear is not doing what I, I believe yeah, now yeah, that yeah, I can yeah, do. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter if it's art. It doesn't matter if it's business. It doesn't matter if it's fighting. Like I'm, con I'm, I'm fearful every single day now for different things that I was yeah. fearful of before yeah. because now today is different than yesterday yeah. tomorrow's different and it's than a today. new challenge that's right? exactly yeah. it and we talk about it and we talk about the, the levels right yeah. like, so every time you get to a new level you're still going to be afraid because you don't know what's going to be in front yeah. of you so that's one of the things I love about fighting is that when you have a fight right yeah. you have to prepare for it yeah. that's a challenge then the day comes where you literally have to face that challenge so where I'm sure it's very similar to when you get on these new projects, right? Yes, I'm excited. I got we got this new job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh shit! Come now on. we have to do this job, right? Now we have to come up. We have to come up with these characters. We have to make yeah. it work. And then here's the hardest part about it is on a deadline, mm -hmm. right? So you have this deadline, like a fight camp. Mm -hmm. There's a deadline. I have to do everything that I can to get ready for this deadline mm -hmm. and not fuck this up, yeah. right? And then hopefully when the deadline is here. I'm able to do what I have to do, right? And for you guys, is present. Yeah. It's make sure that you guys are meeting this deadline yeah, yeah. to where you guys give not only like what they ask for, but essentially above and beyond yeah. what they ask for because you you need to wow them. It's that and then you're also passionate about it. That's right? it. Like, uh, I never met an artist who, no matter how, like, let's say if they don't like the project they're working on and if it's not even their project, whatever, I never met an artist that would be like, yeah, I'll just, I have half-assed well because, because you have here's the thing you have met those guys mm. just not at the level you're at now yes right so yeah, that's a good point it, yeah. because here's the thing the level you're at now essentially I'm gonna connect this to do uh, fighting right mm -hmm. you're at the UFC level of, yeah. of, of 
of art. art yeah. And so the people, in order to get to that level, mm-hmm. you have to have a passion that is undeniable. Yeah. Yeah. And everybody that you come in contact with is going to share that same passion yeah. because that's what allowed them to get to that stage. Mm-hmm. So that's why yeah. you don't see it now because yeah. you're surrounded by people that have that same passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, that's something that people miss out on on just everything in life is that if you surround yourself by people that are passionate about what you're doing, by osmosis, you are going to take on that same attribute and you're going to be passionate about what you're doing, even if you were second guessing it. But just because you're around it every day, you're going to rise to what that level is. And I'm sure that's how it is in the studio. Oh, yeah, yeah. And it's a, it's a, I like to call it a healthy competition, too. Absolutely. In a way, like everybody respects each other, but they're also trying to, you're like, oh man, look what they're doing. That, that looks amazing. I gotta, I gotta keep up with that. Oh, this person learned this new software. I gotta learn that too to keep up. But it's never like I'm better than you or you're better than me. It's, it's a, it's Absolutely. a healthy, healthy. At that, at that level, yeah. it's like you're no longer afraid to tell somebody how amazing that looks. Yeah. In fact, you want to be like, man, look what this dude's doing right now. Yeah, yeah. Or even like you're working with people that respect your opinion too. So if you see something that might not be looking right, like in terms of you know, whatever we're about to show to directors, right? Let's say if I'm supervising, I'm like, hey, you know what? That That's a little bit off. Can we fix that? They don't see it as an insult. They don't see it as an end. They're like, they see it as a constructive note. Like, oh man, I didn't see that. Thank you. Thank you for that extra eye. Yeah. Like, I always go to my peers and tell them, hey, can you take a look at this before I show it? I've been looking at this for two weeks, at this painting for two weeks. I may miss something or I may be kind of focused so much on one thing that I forgot about something else and I totally missed it. Yeah. So I have people look at it and give me their opinion and notes. And then we're going to present, right? So I'm, ne- I'm never afraid of being uh, my work being not criticized, but given notes. I don't think they really criticize, it's just giving notes. It's uh, positive. It, notes, yeah, it's yeah. constructive. Constructive, that's You know, there's, there's a difference between constructive um, notes mm-hmm. and deconstructive. Yeah. And the average person who's coming from an egotistical mindset or their own, like, like, impo- like whatever bullshit self-beliefs, mm-hmm. that's going to be a deconstructive. Because yeah. they're saying it because they want to prove that their word's better. Yeah, yeah. I so, hate that. Like, um, all right, so um, pivoting back. Yeah. Um, getting to Disney. So with Disney, what it was is... Um, you know, working for Sony Imageworks slash animation is a great company too. I mean, it's a big company, right? Um, and uh, actually, Spider-Man um, being was one of the one of the movies that kind of inspired me to get into this industry as well. Um, and Sony does all the Spider-Man movies. Um, my goal was always to work for Disney. That was my passion. Um, I visited my aunt. Um, she knew a few people at Disney. I don't know how she was a lawyer. She, my aunt is a lawyer, and she was able to set up this when I was 13 years old or 12 years old, set up this meeting where I would go to Disney and show them my portfolio. But my portfolio sucked. Like I was still a young kid just drawing. And I visited these, um, I also I wish I could rem- remember who they were because I actually want to know where they're at now, kind of thank them because they pushed me and inspired me. What they told me was after this on my work, and I know it wasn't good. They're like, keep drawing, keep improving, keep improving, one day you'll get there. And I kind of took that and I don't say I ran with it, but that's what I was doing. I just kept practicing and drawing. Anyway, so when I went to Disney, I was like, I want to work here. And this is me at 12 or whatever, 13 years old. I want to work here. And when um, the opportunity opened up, there was a position. And it's really hard to get into Disney because once you get in there, you know, they, they hold on to the, the, the top of the top, mm-hmm. right? So um, sometimes people move, move to different states, family emergencies, things like that. So the positions open up and one position opened up and I just jumped on it. I was like, I got to go there. I don't care if I'm taking a pay cut, I don't care. I need to work for Disney. Um, 
and yeah man I interviewed with five people very intimidating because uh, one of them was a very like old school amazing guy too very nice it actually was really really nice to me because I expected to be like well what makes you good enough to work for them but it, again it's like when you don't ex like when you talk to people like normally as a human being everybody's nice yeah and you don't want to psych yourself up to like oh I'm not good, I'm not good enough in this. so I went in there and um, they saw my portfolio they were really happy um, so one of the guys that I was uh, talking about is Dave Getz he's a legend and he complimented me on a few things and I was like man this is coming from a legend this is amazing felt like the interview went well and it did I got a call and they're like hey we're interested in giving you a position are you interested I was like hell yeah so uh, I took the position and that was um it was five years in uh, last November. It turned five years. So I was at Disney for five years. Wow, you've been there for five yeah, years. Isn't now. that crazy? Yeah. Because uh, I remember, I remember I when you when you messaged me, or it was a messenger phone call, and you were like, "I'm going to Disney." Yeah. And I was I was like so happy yeah, for yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. I was so happy for you. I, I don't know if it was either a message or I actually came by and talked to you. We yeah. sat down. And I was like, "Look, I don't know if I'll be." That's what it was because we were talking about training, and yeah. you're like, and it was it was one of those things. You're like, listen, I think I'm gonna have to stop training. Yeah. But yeah. we're gonna get the training later. Yeah, but yeah, like yeah. that was um, that was, it was we yeah. sat down and yeah. talked yeah, about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I and I and I and I remember you were asking me like, what should I do? Like you were you were like split between. I said, dude, you gotta go to Disney. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like don't yeah. even don't even think yeah. about this stuff. Like get your ass and go. And it was a, it was a nine month uh, gig, so it was a gamble. Um, you go in there, so you get I believe it's a, a probation period, which is ninety days, three months. So within the three months, man, you gotta perform, and I tried my best, like, and the way I saw it was like, when I took that gamble, because I had a stable full-time job at Sony. When I went to Disney, I was like, first of all, I wanted to be there. Second of all, I was like, not to sound cocky, like, I'm good enough, I'm gonna prove myself that I'm worth keeping. And lucky they, you know, after the, so my first project was Utopia. After that project, like two months leading up to, or a month leading up to my last day at Disney, they call me and they're like, "Hey, we'd like to give you, we'd like to extend you for another project," and and um, it paid off, man. I just worked hard. It was it was difficult, but I really worked hard. Like I believed in myself, like I could stay, and that's why I took that gamble. And, and then it's like, what what happens if you don't take that gamble? You're gonna regret that for the rest of your life. Yeah, man. Like what ifs? You don't want to have those what ifs, especially when it comes to a company like Disney, where you want it to be. Um, yeah, so I ended up over there, and it's been over five years now. That's awesome. Five years man. and two months. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, you work for uh, Disney now with what you first started sketching. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it kind of it came full circle. Yeah. I'm, it's it's interesting how life turns out, you know? Like, I came from a, from a country where, yeah, they do films and art there, too, but I never knew that, you know, I'm... You never know how your life is going to yeah. end up. What, what my parents were thinking to moving out here and... and yeah, it's, 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 it's a amazing. blessing too, man. You know, a lot of people like to say that, oh, I came from this this beginning, so I could never be this, or mm -hmm. uh, things never lined up for me. Like they make excuses yeah. for everything, mm -hmm. you know. And one of the things we we talk about all the time, and this is a big part of my my staple statement, is that you have to continue to keep fighting for the, for what you want, mm -hmm. and if you as long as you don't stop, yeah, you're you're not gonna fail. And I pers me personally, I think that fighting is something that has defined me as a person mm -hmm. and I know you've been through yeah, fighting as well but not it was never intentional no. like you you started just kind of doing martial arts for you and um, boxing 
the boxing boxing what you started with right yeah man I, I well growing so here's the thing like growing up I always loved watching fights boxing I lo always loved boxing and uh, my supervisor at Sony Patrick I don't know if you remember Patrick I remember Ryan, Patrick yeah big buff guy. yeah he took classes with me yeah so Patrick uh, comes by and he knows that I'm you know we're working crazy hours trying to get trying to meet deadlines and he's like hey I he would pass by my he would come by my office sometimes and he sees me like yeah, looking at boxing photos or whatever and he's like what is it like boxing there's a gym that just opened up across you know across the street you want to go check it out like yeah let's do it and first day I came in there man I was hooked I sucked I didn't even know how to jump rope <laughs> you know but um, since I already had that love for boxing and and, and and if I recall, uh -oh. you were you were a little out of shape uh, back oh, then yeah, too, because yeah, yeah, yeah. you know for people that are, <laughs> if, you, if you're if you're not watching this, if you're just listening yeah. to this episode, um, AD's super fit, super in shape, and um, when he first started training, he was a uh, a different yeah different visual reference. Well, I'll, I'll bring I'll put, uh, here's an example. So when I worked at Sony, my first few years there, we had a free Coke machine. Literally, you just get up, you press the button, Coke comes out. I would be killing about 10 to 15 Cokes a day. Holy shit. Nope. Caffeine and Coke. And then you go get a pizza and uh, get back to work. But I love what I was doing. It was like, you know, it's art. So I don't care about anything else. I didn't really pay attention to my health. But I always, always wanted to be in shape. There was always that, like sometimes I get up and do push-ups. But then, you know, you look at yourself like, damn, I will never be that. And I think by going to your gym, and seeing like it just there there was a switch that like something happened where I was like okay I could get into that shape and I remember man I was like took a whole year to eat healthy I was like I'm gonna get a six pack which sounds stupid but you know being young I was like I wanna have a six pack uh, in my mid twenties and uh, full year I was eating healthy drinking water only and, and training with you got a six pack I don't know if it was beneficial or not but that was my goal and I said it and I. Did. No, it was beneficial. Not not for the the glamour effect, but for the I fact. I was going that, for the glamour. Probably. But here's, yeah, you were, but, but but here's the thing: you were going for the glamour effect, yes. But you set a goal and you stuck to it. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it was one of those things that, regardless of whatever um, uh, uh, beauty reason you were doing it yeah, for, yeah, yeah. but you decided, you know, I'm going to set this goal. I'm going to get the six pack, and what it did is teach you, like, oh, wow, Discipline. holy shit! Like I'm disciplined, and I was able to achieve this goal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, man. I mean, and, and getting healthy is not easy. You know, people think that, oh, uh, man, that person's just genetically gifted for that, or uh, I've dieted and it doesn't work for me. Yeah, it's because you quit. Yeah. You quit before you were able to get a, um, uh, a result. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, it takes time. It's like planting a seed. You know, the tree's not gonna grow right away. You gotta, you know, keep watering it, attending to it, make sure the, the which is, a, I guess, a weird thing to say because I just planted grass at the house so maybe that's why I'm finally seeing my grass grow but it's like for three weeks I'm like I've been watering this thing how come my grass isn't growing you know I'm like and then you see it start growing it's like yeah you gotta keep doing it yeah that's it and here's the thing you gotta have a good support system around you too to yeah, help yeah, to help keep pushing you in that direction you know um, I know me I'm I'm very like on top I'm like hey what are you doing what are you, I don't call you on your shit yeah. just like if you don't water your lawn if you're not yeah. continuously watering it it's not gonna grow it's yeah. gonna die yeah. and then you will find most people find every reason to blame why it died yeah, and yeah, it yeah. wasn't you well the sun wasn't right or something yeah it's like no it was you but you uh, you know you were very instrumental you know when it came from, to my training, because I don't know, I don't know, you kind of, I felt, you tell me, I, uh, I felt like 
you, you did take me under your wing. And at that time, I don't even know if you knew I wanted to fight or... No, nah, man, we're talking, if we're talking 12 years ago, yeah. uh, I've been fighting for 15 now. So, I mean, that was still in the very early yeah. stages of, of my career of yeah, doing yeah, this. So, yeah. I was, you know, I, I still had... I had that fire in me of like beating me being this this fighter guy that was still trying to figure himself out mm. and I think just by default mm. um, my passion for it um, I could see more, I was wanting to give that to other people mm. as well and so you just caught in on the early stages yeah, of it. yeah I got lucky this is this is your stages of like funky hair man yeah. I was a mess <laughs> I was a mess I was a young kid but here's the thing I said I was a mess but I was still was an, I was still an artist back then yeah. you know I mean I, I'm still an artist now yeah. but that I was still actively an art, yeah, yeah, artist yeah. And, I, and I would my hair was just an expression of, yeah, what, of what I, was, I yeah. thought I wanted yeah. people to see me as. Yeah. You know, I was still going through this self-investigation. Oh, it was cool. It was but different, yeah. It was different. You know, it was also a different time in the sport. Yeah. yeah. You know, it was a much different time. You know, it was like, I think uh, we had just gotten it legal in the state of California. And, you know, I was one of the first guys uh, to be fighting in, in Cali. Yeah. So it's really cool. You talked about how, we just talked about how there was no really... 135 so you had to uh, uh, fight in the upper weight class yeah it was like oh, fight 35s 45s there was you know it wasn't any video on anybody it was like you want to fight this guy and he's like uh sure. yeah sure yeah. why not like yeah. i'm fighting i guess yeah. and you know so it was the wild wild yeah. west but when i was coaching and teaching was, I, i've always loved teaching yeah. i've always loved um seeing other people mm-hmm. you know grow and like when you came in I saw you you working hard and you know I was like man cool and we we connected well yeah and you know I I know that we just started talking more and more about it and then I, I remember one time I don't know how, how did it start like I know because you did we did a boxing fight yeah how, how did that start? start like in terms of how like how, like how did that even come about um I think I it was like I don't remember I was six months in training so that's even my boxing fight was like two years down the oh, okay. line or okay. so I don't but it was like six months in training and I'm like Chad I want to spar. I thought I was like, I'm good. And you're like, no, man, you're not ready. That's a common conversation, too. We have this yeah. all the time in the gym where guys take classes for ready. a while. And they always go, I, I want to I jump in competition training. Like, listen, calm down. Mm-mm. I wasn't ready. You were right. But you had to show it to me. How? And you're like, okay, let's get in the ring with me. And uh, I remember you, you played with me for like two minutes and 58 seconds. And then you just hooked me to my, my, my stomach and you dropped me. And I was like, yeah, I'm not ready. But it was like, you didn't, I mean, you didn't hurt me or anything. You were, you, were, you were showing me so many angles that like, look, you still didn't even know how to defend yourself. Like, you may know how to throw a punch, but you don't know how to appear or, or bob and weave, all that stuff. And I thought I was like, the shit. I was like, six months of boxing nonstop, man. I'm the shit. No, no, you're not, man. It was just being young and kind of yeah. like I'm a tough guy, kind of, which I never saw myself. But, and you just told me, it's like, okay, let's, if you really want to fight, you're gonna set up a little boxing match, and it was it was a uh, it was actually at the gym, right? It wasn't even like a amateur. It was like a smoker, you said. Yeah, yeah. And it was between some of the guys that train at our gym, and you paired me up with Joe. Do you know yeah, I, know, I remember. I remember. Yeah. It was it was a we called it fight night. Yeah, 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 yeah. Where we had it was it was really cool. We wanted to give the people that had been sparring yeah, yeah. and yeah. kind of it was more of an advanced class mm-hmm. the the opportunity to have almost a, a real fight yeah. scenario, but with somebody they're comfortable with. Yeah, exactly. Where we bring uh, your friends, family, mm-hmm. come down, watch yeah. watch you guys uh, essentially fight. It's a sparring session, but but I'm with, with the environment of a, of a real yeah. fight atmosphere with a referee. Cutting weight. Cutting weight, yeah. warm-ups, yeah. and let's go. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think it was like two years in, maybe a year, uh, maybe I'll say two years in, just you're like, okay, let's do it. And you set it up. And uh, man, it was 
It was fun. Joe and I went at it. I gassed the first 30 seconds. But isn't that funny? Like, you've been doing this for two years at that point, and then yeah. you gassed out in 30 oh, dude, seconds. I was nervous. It was it was scary. Why am I doing this? But then when you're done, you're like, this is the best thing ever. And here's the funniest thing. It was against somebody you trained with. Yeah, yeah, a friend. It was a friend, and yet... <laughs> You have those nerves that are so terrifying yeah. that you gas out in 30 seconds. Yeah. It, all we did was change the environment. Yeah. You know, I use this uh, this analogy with uh, a lot of my athletes, and I and I, and I use this one all the time uh, when I do speaking engagements as well. It's, uh, I call it the two-by-four analogy. Okay. Where if I give you a two-by-four, I put it on the floor, mm-hmm. right? And I say, AD, I'm going to pay you 100 bucks to walk on this two-by-four. Mm-hmm. Think you can do it? Yeah. Right? No problem. No problem. Okay, tell you what. I'm going to take that two-by-four. I'm going to raise it. Uh, a foot off the oh, ground, yeah, yeah. a foot off the ground, just a foot, yeah. just a foot. Yeah. But I'm gonna pay you five hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. You gonna do it? I'll do it. Right. Cool. Yeah. So tell you what. Now I'm gonna raise the stakes. You see where this is yeah, going, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So now I'm gonna raise the same same yeah. obstacle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, we're, we're talking about the same, same challenge. Thing, yeah. But now I'm gonna raise it five feet up, just five feet, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna pay you five grand. I guess five feet is not too high, so I don't think I'll break anything. Just five grand. Give me yeah. five bucks. Yeah, five yeah. grand in your pocket. Cool. But now I'm gonna really change the odds. I'm gonna take that same two by four. We're gonna put it a mile yeah, in the sky. Yeah. But here, I'm gonna pay you a million dollars, a million dollars, to walk on that two by four. Nah. But it's the same task. It's the same thing, yeah. yeah. Right. So it's, it's the, the same task. Yeah. The atmosphere changed, and now the environment changes, uh, where there's more risk. Yeah. That's all it is. Yeah. It's the same task that when it was on the floor, where there was no risk. Yeah. yeah. No problem. Now you're sparring with the guy that you know, you're your yeah. friend, you do it every day. All of a sudden there's people watching, there's a winner and a loser, and the environment's changed, yeah, yeah. but it's the same thing you it's do every day. It's different, yeah. Yeah, it's pretty crazy, right? Isn't that crazy? Yeah. So, um, so how did that how did that fight go? Um, well, I don't think there was a winner or a loser. See, isn't that crazy? Yeah, but I feel like, I here's the thing, I think we were, we didn't wanna, I think even Seb was, co- uh, he was refing, I believe. He didn't want to say, oh, you won or you won. He just wanted to. If, if I recall, it was like if somebody won by TKO or knockout, yeah, yeah. They, they would be the winner. But if it went to the score, if it went to the end, it was a draw. Yeah, yeah basically. I love Joe, but I won. <laughs> um, anyway, but it went great, man. It was it was awesome. We hugged it out at the end. And then I remember, like, I got that feeling. I was like, Chad, I want to fight. I want to do a Muay Thai fight. And I had no um, idea how to kick. I was afraid of kicking, afraid of breaking my legs or whatever. I'm like, well, you got to start taking Muay Thai. And I just started getting involved in Muay Thai. And like for a couple of years, I started getting really good with Ed Wedding. Mm-hmm. He was our main Muay Thai coach. Uh, you, whenever you, you know, you would jump in and teach us too, or whenever I could spar with you. And then you set up a fight with me at the Crew crew Rex. Yeah, it was, it was actually a proper kickboxing. It was a proper, yeah, proper Muay Thai. Yeah, 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 proper, yeah, proper, yeah. yeah fully and, sanctioned. Uh, one of the best moments of my, uh, I guess, whatever amateur fighting career because I got to walk out with you and, and uh, Josh Barnett dude it's like two people that I looked up to and Josh was you know you and Josh were actually coaching me and Lauren was fighting on the same card mm-hmm. and it was amazing I lost that fight uh, by not listening to you not hearing <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know it's so true man like it's sad that I realized it towards later in my career that if you listen you will win <laughs> But you know, when you're in a heat of the moment, you just, I just I think I was just swinging. I wasn't even kicking to score points. Um, well, what happens is we expect that's what this is yeah. what fighting does, right? Like we get in there and we're so in this moment yeah. that we feel like we need to make this 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 rational or irrational decision of what's happening. Yeah. But the problem is because you're emotionally charged, 
you're not making rational decisions. No. You're doing it all on emotion. And yeah. that's what your corner's for. If you have a good corner, yeah. your corner is actually seeing things that you're not processing. Yeah. Our job is to see the things and hopefully be yeah. able to articulate to you in a way that yeah. you actually can understand it. Because fighting, you're in the state of chaos, right? Yeah. There's this chaos going. And I see coaches all the time that are screaming and yelling yeah. and giving these commands. And it's like, yo, listen, they're already doing that in their own head. Mm-hmm. They don't need their supposed support system on the outside only validating the the uh, craziness that's going on inside. Yeah. We have to try to calm it down so where you can calm it down and actually even hear us. Yeah. A lot of times, a lot of athletes and fighters, I didn't even hear my corner. Mm-hmm. We're screaming and yelling, but they don't even hear them. Mm-hmm. That's how crazy the mind is going. Yeah, that's insane. It's, 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 uh, it's sad because I didn't realize it until you coached me uh, for my first tournament. Like even my MMA fight, I didn't hear you, man. And it's see exactly right. And uh, I remember, I don't know what happened during that tournament. Maybe because I, I wasn't gonna fight anymore. And you're like, you came up to me, and you're like, okay, listen to my voice. I'm just talking to you. Tune me in. And I remember that whole thing changed. Even though um, I placed third, but I felt like you were controlling me, like like a like a like a remote control, like a joystick to win that match because I lost my first match because the guy was holding on I remember that you were pissed the guy kept holding to my leg and I just lost by whatever I think it was points the second match I had a chance to get third and you really guided me to passing guard taking the guys back and putting in the rear naked and I took away from that so that's what I tell now the up and coming students at at, at um, the gym that I train at is like Tune me in. So when I'm coaching you, tune me in. Basically, I, everything that I've learned from you, I try to convey that. And sometimes they don't listen to, and I get it because I don't listen. But I really try hard. Like, like, look, please listen because when I was your age, I didn't do it. <laughs> I'm telling you, it isn't works. that funny how that works? Like, we get to stages in our life where we start saying these things. We go, hold on, hold on. That's something that was said to me. Yeah. No, I'm that guy. Yeah. That, that's using that same message to yeah. get it across. It's like I, I try to tell, and what's what's cool is like when I see um, uh, older guys that are just getting into jujitsu, mainly into jujitsu, because I only do jujitsu now. They come up to me and they ask me for advice, like, "Oh, how do you not get hurt? What do you do?" And I'm like, and they're like, "I'm like, man, that's cool that you're coming up to me and, and asking me for advice because s- some people just come up to you and they just want to talk to you, but they don't really listen." And they're like, "Look, I'm in my forties." I know what's up. I'm gonna listen. I'm gonna take that advice from you because you're you've been there. You're you're my age, close to my age, or whatever. So, I, it's very important. Like, I, but you just learn that with with experience. Yeah, I mean, it's listening. I think is such a it's it's almost a skill in itself mm-hmm. because people can hear you but they don't listen. Yeah, right. And it's and I then, heard you. That there's I know that's that's exactly it. like there's a big distinction. Yeah. Right? Are you hearing me or are you listening? Yeah. And a lot of people, when they, they hear what they want to hear. Yeah. Right? And it's like, I've had people go, oh, I thought you said this. And no, that's not what I said at all. Like, it was the farthest thing from yeah. that. Yeah. But their mind is going so crazy, yeah. they heard what they want to hear. Yeah. Up, yeah. um, oh, lights out again. Hold on. <laughs> I think what, what's happening is that we're 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 touching on so much like like powerful mm-hmm. topics that the the energy of the lights is sucked out. It's like oh, I need a break. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. It's too much. 
Um, but like even for me now, now like the way I coach now is even different the way that I used to coach back then. Because now I, I focus so much on making sure that the athletes can hear me. Um, it's it starts with the way I talk to them in preparation, yeah. and then we go into the ring, and then the way I talk to them there, and then we do a voice check when we get in. Because I want you to be able to focus on the task at yeah. hand and be able to have confidence that my voice is gonna do my best mm-hmm. to guide you. Yeah. Because if I if I say move left and it was the wrong decision, let me deal with that. Mm-hmm. I see. Like that, let that be on yeah, my shoulders. Yeah, yeah. Just your job is to go in there and do what you're supposed to yeah. do. And let me be the, the, the voice of seeing things that, you know, that I, like hopefully that I, I think I've been in this game long enough that I can see things. Oh yeah, I know you do, I know you can. I mean, you know, and I, I think that the success comes from not just doing what you want to do, mm-hmm. it's doing what you have to do. Yeah. And that's what fighting is so done, so important for. And I think, like for myself, and you know, I'll let you speak on this, but for myself, fighting has allowed me to really figure out so much about myself and, and going through adversity. You know, training for a fight is something that you, you, you grow from. Yeah. And now, I mean, look at you. You you were looking at boxing photos at work, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, uh, a coworker said, "Hey, you want to go try out a boxing gym." That boxing gym then eventually got you a boxing fight. It got you a kickboxing fight. It got you into MMA. And now you're a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu brown belt. Yeah. Damn. It's crazy, right? All from a coworker yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. I want to yeah, check Patrick, out this boxing gym. Yeah, I owe Patrick a lot, man. Uh, he's a, he was a good dude. He was my supervisor, too, which was awesome. And, and uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm lucky. Because I don't know if... Um, if you wouldn't say that, I don't know if I would... I always wanted to go into a gym, but I, I don't think I ever had the guts or whatever. And it kind of... He was the one that was like, well, come with me. Let's try it out together. Yeah, and, and, and that's what it is, right? You, you could have easily said, no. Yeah, and I don't no. know where I would be. Like, right? like, I don't even know where I would be. We were talking about, you know, tasks at work. Like, for me, tasks at work, that it's, they're still challenging. And you, you stress out. How am I going to get those done? But what, what's, what's interesting is that because of fighting, I've experienced so, um, so much where it's like, Man, I was you know in a ring or in a cage one on one. Nothing else matters after that. Like mm-hmm. I, you know, it's like almost a, it's not a life and death situation, but it could be, right? So everything after that becomes very. That's easy. Not, it's not, not that it's easy, but the fact that you have to face yourself. Yeah. You have to face your yeah. fears. You have to face the fact that I'm about to get punched in the face. Yeah. You know, we've learned from a very young age that getting punched in the face hurts. Oh, yeah. You know, we've seen it from movies. We've seen it from everything. And now you have to stand toe-to-toe with this individual mm-hmm. who's not only trained to fight. Yeah. yeah. They've literally trained to fight you. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Okay. And some of them are actually, like, I was a professional already working, um, you know, at a company, I had a career, and I had this MMA or this, like, this was a, a hobby of, of, that I'm super passionate about. Like, it's not just, oh, I just want to try this and do yeah. it for fun. Like, I really wanted to involve myself in, in MMA, and um, I built so many great relationships. <laughs> I was seeing that thing flying around, too. I built so many relationships, um, so many good friends through, through training with you guys um, that I call close friends, right? And uh, and there are there are guys that are just that's all they do is their their career is fighting. Yeah, yeah. And their goal is like, all they do is they go train, sleep, train, sleep, train. I have to go to work, so I have to train, go to work, then go train again at night. Yeah. And it was you know, and it was like what was I doing? But I think it's uh, just 
I would like to say that it was really connected together. You know, like you you fighting, you training, and you going to work were honestly the same path line, right? Because fighting and training was keep was building that grinding work ethic that you were that you needed. Yeah to keep pushing you to that level to get you to where you are yeah. at Disney now because yeah. nobody can get to that elite level of anything mm-hmm. without having that 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 drive. Yeah. And through fighting and training and going through that day-to-day mm-hmm. routine, I mean, you're constantly grinding. Yeah. No matter what it is, you're grinding. Hard. And you got to make your you can make every excuse in the world why you can't go to the gym and train. Mm-hmm. Or you say I've already committed to this, I'm doing this. It's hard as hell and that's why I'm going to do it. Where most people take the easy route. Yeah. They'll say, oh, you know what? I haven't rested today. I need to go home, relax for a few. You're not going to get off the couch after you do that. It's impossible. It's the same reason why you're never going to get to that next stage. I'm about to get in this work. There's a little bug flying around. Anyway, um, the little net. You know what's yeah. funny? Like, d- during, during, just knocked it out. It was uh, during that time when I was getting ready for my MMA fight, you actually forced me to go home one time. I showed up to the gym and you saw me like, because we were like two weeks away or whatever, and you saw me and you're like, you need to go home because I couldn't even throw a punch. I was just so done or like overtrained. And I think it was <clears throat> it was you who pushed me. Like you were the one. You 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 kind of had to start telling me like, hey, you you got to take the day off today. Just go home because I just I knew what I need to do. I wanted to train. I know the other guy was training and. Yeah, and I knew I knew the other guy was training, and uh, I just wanted to be there because I didn't want anybody to one up me. You know, yeah, it's one yeah. versus one, and yeah, man. Um, but yeah, it, uh, it it changed my whole perception on things. It changed me as a person, uh, especially jujitsu. That loss, actually, the loss that I that I had in MMA, where a wrestler he beat me, you know, just kind of wrestled me, and I had no wrestling. Not me, not much of a wrestling background. And I was like, I need to become a better grappler. And I really started focusing on my jujitsu and I kind of just got sucked into it. Isn't that funny? Because I mean, you, you were a striker. Yeah. yeah. You were a striker and that was your thing. You were like, I'm oh, a striker. Now now you don't even strike, right? No, man, I hate it. No. <laughs> <laughs> it's not fun. Yeah, it's not fun getting punched in the face. But it's, it's funny. It's not fun. But I personally think everybody needs to. Oh, yeah. I, I think you need to get punched in the face. You need to see that you're not going to break. You also need to see what you're made of. Because that way you understand what your limits are. And I think you said it too, or you said it a few months ago. Like, if you're coaching, if you're teaching, you need to have been punched in the face. I think so. It's, it's experience. Like, if you've never been punched, how are you going to teach somebody else to take a punch or to block a punch? Mm-hmm. Like, so I think that's also, it's, it's, um, it's experience. And if you don't have experience, it's like, well, it might be lying to me so I think that's very important I mean experience is everything yeah. there, there is no better teacher than experience mm-hmm. and fighting I mean you're going to lose you're going to lose you're yeah. going to lose you're going to lose and hopefully mm-hmm. you're going to get that moment of victory mm-hmm. then you're going to lose again you're going to lose some yeah. more yeah. but all that loss is really the the pathway yeah. for you to be able to win mm-hmm. um, I, I, I truly believe that Winning is not about what happens at the end of the rainbow. It's the process that it took you to get there. Because as soon as you win or you lose, the process is going to continue. You know, and we're always going to be faced with these these uh, 
these developments. Yeah. We're always gonna be we're always gonna be faced with new challenges. So just because you won or you lost doesn't mean that that's gonna be anything for the next challenge. That just means now the process starts over. Yep. And so you have to lose. You have to get punched in the mouth. Uh, figuratively and and uh, <laughs> and literally, yeah. um, and you know you have to understand that okay, I got knocked down. I have a choice: do I stay down, or do I get up? Yeah. And then when I get up, what do I do with that? Yeah. Do I complain about the fact that I got knocked down, or I dust myself yeah. off and realize that that's what's going to propel me mm-hmm. to the next level? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. man. It's, that- do, you, do you know what you know? What's interesting is that you know you said like um, I was always into striking. I, I consider myself a striker. I didn't really want as a striker. Most of my wins came as a jujitsu competitor. That's funny. And I think that a lot of those losses built or helped me become a winner. And to me, jujitsu winning or losing is not a, really a thing. I just enjoy doing it for the competition, for for myself personally. I think it's fun. It brings me back to the old days of like training and getting ready, making weight, being disciplined, and still showing that look. At not that I'm old, but you could be a professional. You could still compete, and you could you know you could do both. Um, but a lot of things that I've taken away from from when it comes to mixed martial arts or jujitsu, most of the things I take away is when I lose. Like, I mean, that's it, right? We, um, sorry to cut you off, yeah. but I mean, I talk about this with, with some of our guys that you can go out there and knock a guy out every single time with one punch. Boom! You're like, oh yeah. Boom! Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. You don't learn anything from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you learn that you have a good punch. Yeah. But what are you going to do when you lose? Yeah. Or what happens when a guy can take that punch? Mm-hmm. What do you do then? Right? But, uh, yeah, it was... Um, one of my uh, losses in, in Vegas, and it was not a loss, I kind of decued myself, but it was a struggle where I couldn't pass somebody's guard. And it was a simple guard pass that I learned since when I was a white belt, I just didn't click for me. And at the end, uh, my coach, Chris, he pulled me aside, he's like, dude, I was yelling at you to do that, but he was so far away that I couldn't hear him. Or maybe I've heard him and I just thought I knew what I was doing, most likely. <laughs> um, but funny is like, and then he's like, oh man, I, you're so right, I could have used that pass. It's like, yeah man, that's the pass you go to when somebody just wraps around you and try to hold on to you to just win. So, come back from Vegas, I'm frustrated, I'm like, I gotta compete again, like, I don't wanna lose. Or I wanna feel like a, you know, I, I didn't feel satisfied. I, re- I would have rather lost by point than just by referee kind of disqualifying me because of my mouth, big mouth. Um, so I remember that pass. The next tournament I do, what do I do? The guy's holding on to me. And that moment when I should have used, in Vegas when I should have used that pass, I used it in that competition. Passed the guy's guard, almost Darson, thanks to you. I was able to take his back, kind of um, almost strangle him, but I beat him by points. It was my finals. Gotcha. And because of, I would say, that loss in Vegas, I was able to win in See? my next tournament. That's it. And if... I wouldn't suffer that in Vegas, or if I, if, if I wouldn't have gone through that in Vegas, most likely I probably wouldn't be able to win in, in my next tournament in this world. So I, it's very important, like, not only, not losses, but just, like, hardship. Yeah. I think if you don't struggle, then it's like, first of all, it's like, what's the point of living if everything's easy? I think 
struggling is what you you learn from it. Um, if any if everything comes easy to you, then it's like there's not really a point. Like, what kind of life is that? At least at least for me personally, that's why when when it comes back to art, I like to I like having these projects that challenge you, because if they didn't, it's like why am I doing this? So that's the that's the that's that's, that's the that keeps the fire alive for me. That's awesome, man. Yeah. I think that, you know, once we embrace the fact that the fears are what are going to propel us, the mm -hmm. losses are going to propel mm -hmm. us, the, the unknown of how to complete this task is yeah. what's going to get us to the next level. It, it's, it allows us to really kind of live a different life. It's no longer being afraid of the fear, it's standing up to it yeah. and admitting that you don't know what to do or you're afraid of it and being able to say, yes, I am afraid of this and I'm ready to take the yeah. challenge because that's all it is because that's what made, in my opinion now it's like that's what makes life exciting mm -hmm. is yeah. standing up to the things that before you didn't want to do yeah. standing up to the bully standing yeah. up to the fight and getting, standing there going like listen I don't care if, if I get knocked down by mm -hmm. you yeah. I'm going to stand right here and I'm going to do my best to make sure that I am standing here even after but what's the worst that could happen right I think we make it out to be like people won't like you anymore when it comes to like any anything not only fighting but like I think we make it up to be in our head in our brain that it's this big thing for sure it's not man because other people also go through things yeah you're I, sometimes I think we we make ourselves the center of attention but we really aren't because other people have other things going on and it's like it's, we just you told me when I when, when I lost my MMA fight you told me I called you and I was on a high, even though I lost, but uh, um, I told you, I was like, man, this sucks. He's like, I didn't see you fight that guy. I saw you were trying to fight yourself. You beat, you were beating up yourself in, in that ring. Because I went in, in, the, in that fight already kind of almost maybe doubting myself because I was fighting myself, my image. Like, oh, what if, what if I lose? What if they, what are they going to think of that? And I think that's our, um, our perception is once you're able to not really care what you, what people may think of you because most likely nobody thinks of you. Like when I go see my friends compete or anybody compete, win or lose, I see it, I'm like, great match. Two hard people, great, great match, you know. I don't care who won or lost, I wouldn't congratulate them both. But when when it's us doing it, we make this, we create this perception like, oh, this person is gonna hate me. Or mm -hmm. And it's not true. Once you're able to separate that, things become a little bit easier. Still, you know, it's still hard to to do things, but I think it will lead you to more of a successful path. That's awesome. Yeah. That's a great, great message, man. Um, on a last note, you know, what's a message that you can give to people that are either not sure how to move forward with what they want to do mm -hmm. or how to believe in themselves? Like, what's, what's a tool or tip you can give them? Well, a few things. Um, I, I always suggest listening to people no matter um, where they're from what they do somebody has gone through something that you may have not I think everybody's um, input or is valuable somebody there's always something to learn to take away from somebody um, if somebody has more money than you that that doesn't matter man who cares about that when you when you when you die you don't you can't take that shit with you uh, so treat everybody the same that's how I see because you can always learn from somebody I learn every day. I learn from. I've been in the industry for going on over 15 years uh, when it comes to doing art. I have uh, kids that just started two years in. I don't look at them like oh, I know. I know everything. I go to them because I see stuff that they're like, man, that's cool. 
so it doesn't matter the age like always be willing to learn I think for me that's the that's the that's the most important thing and uh, don't uh, don't doubt people like everybody has something to offer and uh, jujitsu I would say um, if you if you're lacking of confidence um, or just want want that push I think jujitsu is is, uh, is something that everybody should learn and know and it's a gentle sport it, it could get rough but it, it is a gentle sport that is you don't have to be um, strong buff you, you could be any type of human being and be able to learn jiu-jitsu and be very successful at it you don't have to compete you could just come in and just get your training in, and you could it will help you it will help you with stuff outside of work it will help you with your health um, it's a I don't know, man. It's just a. It changed my life, really. But also, like you know, my life started changing once I met you and following your footsteps. Kind of following your footsteps. I mean, I wasn't going to become a professional fighter, but I wanted to experience what you experienced on a on a, on a professional level because I found that very inspiring. Um, and I listened to you, right? Not when I fought, but <laughs> but I tried to listen to you. Um, yeah, man. I, I think that's really. That's really it, right? I mean, that's awesome, you know. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm I'm extremely happy for for you and your career and everything yeah, that it's thanks, turned man. into. And it's been it's been an amazing uh, ride for as many years. We're still as going. We, I know yeah. for as many years we've had, and I, and I can't wait to see what comes next. Yeah, man. Uh, you're an absolutely incredible artist, Thank and you. I appreciate um, your story it. is inspiring. Uh, where can people find your art? Uh, well, you can go on my Instagram, Art by Adil. Um, We'll post it up on the on the. Oh, YouTube awesome! Channel. Yeah, yeah. Uh, my art is there. Um, I uh, during October month, I do. I just started this thing um, in October, and uh, what it is is uh, you, you do a sketch a day, and um, that's how I kind of start rolling into. I, I kind of start losing passion for art, because I was doing so much art at work, that I couldn't find the motivation to do it at home, and and what I decided to do was uh, I'm gonna just ask people to submit a drawing of themselves because I love MMA I love jiu-jitsu and I asked them to submit a picture of them doing jiu-jitsu and I would sketch it and just and that kind of brought the motivation back of me just sketching people yeah. and not only that not only gaining that motivation back to just do art but I only love to do jiu-jitsu MMA art but also I, I start learning jiu-jitsu through doing my art because you start seeing submissions you start seeing holes because when you draw somebody you could see oh an underhook could have went there or whatever right Anyway, so I started doing that, and then um, the jiu-jitsu community was very responsive, like very like awesome. Like I made so many friends, That's awesome. so many black belts invited me to their gyms from from Brazil to to Greece to Texas to um, just everybody. And um, I'm kind of doing it now as a not on a daily basis, but whatever drawings I haven't finished yet, I try to cool. still draw that, and I try to do it twice a week. So. Just follow me. Um, you never know; you may get lucky, and uh, if I see some cool picture that I like, I'll take a snap of it and then sketch you. That's awesome. So yeah, there you go. find me on Art by Adele. Cool. Art by Adele. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming on, brother. Thanks for having me. Awesome man. time. TJ. It. Thank you for sharing, Ad. Good stuff. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Um, anything else? La Hefa? No. Cool. Well, this is the Savage Hour podcast. Until next time. Check out our other episodes, subscribe to the channel, follow us on YouTube. All of our podcast episodes are available just on about every platform. We will see you guys next time.
Live life as a champion. This is the Savage Hour Podcast. Hey guys, if you like this episode, follow the podcast and subscribe to our YouTube channel.